Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. Hey, Kate. Yes? It's a new, well, okay, it's not a new site and it's not a new location, but we are now officially a school library journal podcast. I thought you said that a couple episodes ago. Uh, No, a couple episodes I said we were about to become an official school library journal podcast, but now we are. It's official. You smell that? Do you smell that in the air? What is it? That's that's the smell of being official. I'm pretty sure that's the smell of wet cat food. Oh, it's... (laughs) Because the it's cat a terrible, is just right over there. It's a terrible smell. I would have thought it would have been a better smell. It's really podcast, fishy. And, yeah, uh, very fishy. Yeah. Very strange. I didn't expect. It's, yeah, it's mm. really gross. Yeah. Sorry. That's that's okay. That's what happens when is you're recording a very home. tiny room next to your kitchen. I so. mean, like, okay, so we get picked up by School Library Journal. That do. doesn't mean we change us it at all. It doesn't mean we don't smell like cat food, is we, what you're trying to we say. We will always be those cat food smelling girls. That's... <laughs> As our mother used to call us when we were young, <laughs> back in the old country, come here, you cat food smelling children. Come to your ma's knee. Exactly. Well, since we are now in our new digs, so to speak, yeah. uh, what we should explain what we do. Oh, what so do we do, Betsy? We Oh, oh turning the tables Yeah, out, yeah, right? you explain it. Oh, well, fine. I will explain it. Uh, with every podcast, we look at picture books. Preferably ones that people have considered classics in the past. And then we determine, you and I, whether they should be classics or not. Because you have an educated background, and I like to just point at shiny things and go, ooh. Yeah, I'm very educated, <laughs> um, but this is sort of my job. And you are a normal person who doesn't spend all her time reading picture books because you are over the age of eight. Yeah, I don't um, have kids. And you don't I... have kids. There's literally no reason, aside from this podcast, for you to know any of these. But some of these you may know just from in the ether. You've heard of them. Sure. You may not have read them. Okay, there is one book we haven't done. And I was saving it. Mm-hmm. I was saving a very, very special book. A very special book that I gave away to you in the other room. I'm going to pull it out, and you're going to pretend to be surprised <laughs> to see this book that I am pulling out, because it's very important... Where the wild things are. Who's it by? Maurice Sendak. Sure is. Now, have you ever read this book? No. Never? No. I know there's a kid with a crown. Because people dress up as a kid for Halloween. Yes. Okay. And Do they wear? They, and there was a movie, but I didn't see the movie. We've done Maurice Sendak. We've done. Yeah, we did the in the night kitchen. Uh huh. We've done uh, was it the ice outside, baby one? yeah, outside over there, the ice baby one. We've and even done a hole is to dig, which he which, didn't. No, again, he didn't write. Again, that. a hole has already been dug. Yeah, the, vo- the, the hole, hole is not there. The hole is both dug and undug, <laughs> as we as we have determined. But this, this is what he is known for. This is what made his reputation. Okay, go read that thing. While Kate's reading the book, I'm going to treat you to my favorite Where the Wild Things Are rant. We all have one. 
This one's mine. Um, it's actually a little hard to come up with background information on where the wild things are that you haven't heard already, even if it's not your line of work. A lot of these stories have been out there in the ether. So I'm going to take a story that has been out there quite a lot. Maybe many of you have heard it, and I'm going to tell you why I find it hard to believe. All right. So by the time that Maurice Sendak made Where the Wild Things Are, he had illustrated more than 50 books for other authors, and he was just getting around to thinking of making one of his own. Clearly, the man didn't rush into things. Though this book, Where the Wild Things Are, was published in 1963, the book was actually originally begun in November of 1955 under the original working title, Where the Wild Horses Are. You know the trouble? Sendak claims he didn't like how he depicted horses. Now, the way that this sounds when you read the story is that Sendak couldn't draw a good horse, and so he didn't want to do it. I don't know about that. I have seen the dummies that show it's called Where the Wild Horses Are, but I think there might have been a variety of reasons as to why he did not want to do horses. I mean, after all, he did lots of books that had horses in them. Charlotte and the White Horse by Ruth Krauss. Actually, a whole bunch of Ruth Krauss books. So while I do understand that maybe his depictions of horses was one of the factors, I do not think that was the only factor for turning them into gigantic, wonderful monsters. And we're back. Hello. Hello. I read a most beloved children's book. Incredibly <laughs> beloved. Perhaps the most beloved children's book of them all. Do you, would you like to guess where it was on the top 100 picture books poll that I... Number I three. No. No? No. Four? No. Five? No. Uh, I don't Number one? Yes. For both times. Really? Both times I conducted the poll, it ended up number one. Without wow. even... There was no competition. This point spread was so large. Wait, no, what? What? Two and three. Hungry Caterpillar. Yeah, and Goodnight Moon would, right. would duke it out for two and three. They'd switch places over the years. But, but this was always number one? Always, like, without a doubt. And I'll just give away that on the novel side, it was always Charlotte's Web. Huh. So this is to picture books as Charlotte's Web is to novels for children. Wow. Yeah. I mean, not even... Not even any Why? Uh, well, we'll get into that now, won't we? That's the whole point of the podcast. Okay. All right. So. So uh, this entire time, I thought the guy was in a cat suit. Apparently, it's a wolf suit. It's a wolf suit. I believe it even says it's a wolf suit. Oh, no, suit. It, it does. But I just remember, like, seeing the kid. And, yeah. And I was like, why is he wearing a cat suit? Yeah. If you didn't know it was a wolf suit. I didn't know it was a wolf suit. It could easily be a cat. I mean, it's got whiskers, for It's God's got sake. whiskers and pointy yeah. ears and a long tail. Yeah. And this kid likes to cause mischief. Oh, yeah. And he likes to chase the dog with a fork. He likes to destroy his room by, like, hang nailing things with a hammer into the wall. Oh, I should say, that dog that he was chasing with a fork was Jenny. Um, she was Sendak's dog, and she was in a lot of his books. Oh. Cameo. Well, apparently the mother calls her son Wild Thing. Yeah. At which point I had the song in my head. <laughs> you make my heart say. Yeah. yeah. But who calls their child Wild Thing? Well, okay, here's my excuse for that. When your kid is like is pushing all your buttons and you are at the end of your rope, you lose your ability to form <laughs> concrete words and sentences that make any sense at all. You'd be like, wait, you 
you're trying to prevent yourself from saying something much worse. So what comes out is like, you're just a wild thing, you know, and then your kid's like, Pfft. Not even an insult. And he says, I'll eat you up. And so he goes to bed without dinner. Yes. That's back in the days when, when that, I don't know if people still do that, but. Yeah, I wonder. So as a way to rebel against being punished mm -hmm. for being a mischievous kid, mm -hmm. um, he, he uses his imagination to turn his bedroom into a giant forest. Yeah, you assume it's his imagination. It never says it's his imagination. Well, how? Did you notice that the white borders were pushed farther and farther away um, with every subsequent picture. Oh, no, it's I It's very, not. yeah, there's like these big, thick white borders around it. Yeah. And then it just, get, they get pushed, pushed, with, with pushed. With the, uh, the trees. The trees and... growing in the bedroom. It kind of turns into a four-poster bed for a second. And it, and it becomes more nightly as the mm -hmm. moon becomes more prominent. It's the very lush. The sky gets darker. And... There's a truffalo tree. And then the kid jumps into his boat because he has a private boat. Also named Max. Yep, and he sails... Not much thought put into that one. Uh, ...far and away to where the wild things For are. For a year and a day. So he gets to this magical land mm -hmm. where it says they gnash their terrible teeth and roll their terrible eyes and show their terrible claws. Mm -hmm. They're not so bad. <laughs> they remind, You know who they remind me of? Those giant Muppets... Do you remember those gigantic... Oh, yeah, like the ones on The Muppet Show? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They would inevitably eat somebody, but... Yeah. So when they turned this into a movie, they were those those Muppets, essentially. Oh. And they do eat people, much like those Muppets did. So, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, that's that's kind of who they reminded me of. Yeah, like, very much not, so. They're not so bad. It is where there was not more of a Sendak slash Jim Henson crossover... Yeah. Um, because I think Henson would have had a... Henson did a lot of Seuss stuff, but he didn't do a lot of Sendak stuff, except, I should say, the animated sequence in Sesame Street of Bumble Artie. That, they're, therein ends my entire recap <laughs> of their relationship. Okay. All right. So he goes to this island where he tells all of these wild things to be still, and then he tames them by staring at them. Mm -hmm. Without blinking. Yeah. Yeah, they, they and, cannot get past it. And because of that, they turned him into a king. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And then at that point, Max says, let the wild rumpus start. Yeah. That's where that word kind of came from. What yeah. kid says the word rumpus? Well, I suspect it wasn't a word before, and he was just making one up. So let's have a wild party. He called it a rumpus. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Right, so pretty much it just consists of them making noise and jumping up and down. Wordless sequences, yes. Yeah, and this picture has them all hanging from a tree. Yeah. Did you ever play that game in middle or like in elementary school where you're hanging off the monkey bars and you're trying to get the other person off the monkey bars? No, because I have no arm strength, and so I would <laughs> fall the well, minute I was on them. That's what these two characters yeah, are doing. Are it's like a, I don't know, like a bird versus a bull. Yeah. And they're definitely, like, eyeing each other, trying to get the other one to fall ah. off. And whoever loses has to I can to tell you who's going to lose. It's the bull guy. You want to know why? Because he has to carry the king on the next page. That, okay. There is that. There's also the fact that the other guy had claws on the bottoms of his feet. And if he starts kicking, that guy's going down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he definitely lost. And yeah. now he has to, uh, he begrudgingly carries Max he on his be back. must be a beast of burden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he looks conflicted. Not entirely happy, but not entirely unhappy. So he, Max, mm. yells at all of them and says, stop. 
And then he tells all of them that they have to go to bed without supper, Mm -hmm. at which point he wants, he's feeling lonely and he wants someone to love him, at which point he now smells uh, food. So pretty much he just did what his mom did by passing down those parenting skills onto these fake imaginary creatures. Kids do that. Right. Kids are always disciplining their toys. Far harsher, I should say, than anything they've actually received themselves. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, kids love that. But at this point, he uh, decides to go back to his realistic world because he can smell food. Mm-hmm. All the wild things, you know, they want him to stay, but he says no. And he gets on his boat and he goes back to reality where he sees there's food on his table and he's back in his bedroom and the food is still warm. No, it wasn't warm. Oh, it's still hot. And it was still hot. Yeah. Yes. That is the last line. Because there was a big debate over that last word. I actually... Hot, hot versus warm. Okay, so here's... here's um, there's a collection. His editor was Ursula Nordstrom. She was a very famous editor. There's a collection of her letters in a book called Dear Genius. And there's this note that she has written. She, she mentions that Fran Manushkin wants to know if Sendak will be changing the last word in the book. Says Nordstrom, as you know, new plates are being made, and before the new edition comes out, we wonder if you want to change the last word from hot to warm. I can't for the life of me remember the history of all this, but I believe we heard from a couple children or their rotten parents that and it was still warm would be better than and it was still hot because children don't like hot food. Listen, have you ever had such a great editorial comment in your life? And uh, I'd like to think that he said, oh, God, no. Because hmm. hot was the better word. Hot. I don't know. It means she was literally just there. If it was warm, he could have been playing and ignoring it for quite some time. But if it's hot, then he's immediately back. Right. Okay, so in terms of this book, um, the inspiration for it was King Kong and his cheek-pinching relatives. What? He named each of the wild things privately, uh, and each one was named after one of his aunts or uncles or extended family members. Huh. That's where the phrase, I'll eat you up, I love you so, comes from. Because his uh. relatives would always be like, oh, you look so adorable, I could just eat you up. Uh-huh. And he found them terrifying. Because <laughs> he was a small child and you've got these big, giant humans oh, who are yeah. talking about eating you. Yeah, speaking of someone who constantly had her cheeks pinched because she had dimples, yeah. I totally understand. Yeah, exactly. So you can identify with him. And then he said about that, um, quote, From their earliest years, children live on familiar terms with disrupting emotions. They continually cope with frustration as best they can. And it's through fantasy that children achieve catharsis. It is the best means they have for taming wild things. So that's sort of his justification for the creation of the book itself. Okay. Yeah. Um, There was some concern when it came out that it was too scary. What? Too scary for children. Yeah. Kids could end up traumatized by this book, Kate. Wow. It's very frightening. You don't understand. From their gnashing teeth. From and all those horrible eye, yellow, yellow eyes. eyes. and yeah. yeah, they rolled them. Well, anyway, when it came up whether or not this book was scary, his editor said, I think this book can frighten only a neurotic child or a neurotic adult. Uh, Which I think is probably yep, pretty good. That sounds, sounds about right. Yeah, that sounds about right. You never saw the movie? No. Yeah, it, uh... Yeah. I don't know how you can really make a movie out of this. It would be so quick. Like, maybe one of those, like, 
you know, Dr. Seuss, Heather Grinch Stole Christmas, like, 30-minute mm-hmm. little movie, maybe something like that, but even that's pretty long. That's pretty long. This, they really padded it. They put so much dialogue into it, because there is not a lot of words in this book. No. It's almost one big run-on sentence. It's not quite. There's, there's a couple sentences in yeah. there. And I think someone on Rotten Tomatoes said it was as if... Uh, the director had decided to remake Conrad's Heart of Darkness for children. <laughs> Sendek liked the movie. That's really? the kicker. He thought it was a lot of fun hmm. because it was wackadoodle. Is yeah. why he liked it. Um, by the way, folks, uh, speaking of Yellow Eyes, there was an old website um, called Terrible Yellow Eyes where just a huge range of artists created art um, for where the wild things are. And it's, it's a kind of a cool site. I'll put the link in the, in the show notes so people can see it. Hmm. But besides that, uh, it was never turned into an animated film. Um, it has been op- an opera. Wow. Uh, a Metallica song. <laughs> and a failed 1983 CGI version. You read that correctly. 1983 CGI. But it is considered uh, one of the more classic-y classics. I'm going to quote, just to, to, to round it out here, uh, Mr. Travis Yonker, uh, who you met when we went to D.C. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And he's a tall fellow. He's got a blog called 100 Scope Notes, and, and this is what he wrote me years ago. He said, Sendak's 1963 book was, that, was instrumental in ushering in the modern age of picture books. While tackling themes of anger and loneliness, Sendak created one of the few picture books that still seems fresh after decades in print. He is... The quintessential brat. You're not fond of brats in children's books, usually. I am not. And I even, I have like a whole like line of questions here because I said... All right, let's check them. So this is a book about a boy who uses his imagination to escape reality because he was out of line. Right. Is he abused? I don't think so. Is he a brat? I mean, he chases the dog with a fork. Yeah, he's only a brat. He knows what he's doing. Right. Does he escape into fantasy often? May is a good question. Um, and it pro- probably, I would think. He owns a wolf suit that he wears around the house. So Which, I would think, yes. I mean, he didn't make it. So no, somebody gave him that. Right. Um, does he get sent to bed without dinner often? Well, he doesn't look that unnerved by it when it happens. He looks pissed. So uh, you think it's happened before? Oh, right? yeah. I definitely think it's happened before, yeah. And really, he isn't sent to bed without dinner because he gets the dinner. He gets that dinner and in, in time, yeah. I mean, it definitely has beautiful illustrations. Um, you can definitely... I mean, I like the pen and ink style mm-hmm. that yeah, he does like here. he's got like a cross-hatching He's got a lot of details going on. Colors are nice. Um, I don't get why it's so famous. <laughs> well, because in a way, it kind of split... I mean, the old tiny ways of making a picture book into these new, more psychological. Well, if, if it's books, used yeah. to teach your kids to use your imagination, if reality is too hard, I mm-hmm. get that. Especially if the kid is in a situation where it's easier for them psychologically to escape. You know, if there's, you know, violent parents or you know whatever the case mm-hmm. may be, a bad home situation. I get you that. You don't even need a bad home situation to escape, though. You just got to feel that you're put upon in the world. Right. So why? So to remind. Why is this famous? It's the in many ways, and I sort of quoted Travis saying this. It was the first modern picture book. It was the first book that spoke to. I mean, it comes out in the '60s, 
where we're moving past this whole era of, you know, the rigid control of the 1940s, of the 1950s. People are beginning to explore the world around them and, and address problems. And then this book comes out, which is saying, like, you know, he is in control the whole time. He's being punished, but then he just makes a world where he is the one in charge. But then he finds that even in being in, in charge, he needs his mom. He misses his mom, right? Sendak gave voice to characters that didn't play by the rules, that weren't the perfect little boy and the perfect little girl who always obeyed the rules all the time. And it's beautifully illustrated. It's met in the succinctness of the text. It is so hard to write simply. It is far more difficult to write with few words than it is you can just bloviate, put words all over the page. That's super easy. For this book, for that few number of words, and for those choices of words, and then for the wordless sequences, it's a beautiful book. It's very beautiful to yeah. look at, but it's, it's about a brat. Yeah, it it's, is about a brat. It is a quintessential yeah. brat book. Yeah. Brat does bratty things. Brat gets punished. Right. Brat uses his imagination to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Brat gets his dinner at the end. Yeah, but Brat, before he gets his dinner, misses his mom. I don't think you can cut that part out. Okay, so Brat's lonely. Right. (laughs) Okay. Brat smells his food. Right. Brat comes back to reality. Right. You know, Sendak in an interview many years later, and I can't figure out. The punishment doesn't really work if you don't, right? If you don't go through with the punishment, or was he just... It's not an instructional book. There's no moral to this book. Sendak hated morals. He wasn't a moralizer. There's no point to it in that way. I just it's there to entertain. I hope people aren't putting this kid up on a pedestal and being like, Max no. is like the quintessential well, See, that's like, what I was going to say. Kid. Oh, God, no, nobody says that. No, um, no, but... But people dress up as him. Sure. On Halloween. They identify like, with him, but that doesn't mean they think he's a great person. So he was asked by NPR if Max was alive today, he would be this old what would his life be like? And Sendak said he'd be living in his parents' basement, he'd probably be playing a lot of video games, and he'd still be wearing his wolf suit. So Sendak didn't say that this is some kid you should emulate either. But for the purposes of this book, this is Max's world. Now, he did put Max in one other picture book. Years and years and years and years and years later, he re-illustrated his friend Ruth Krauss, A hole is to dig. She did a book called Bears. Max reappears in Bears. Hmm. He's wearing his wolf suit. He's got a different dog. Um, Because he killed the first one. Yeah, well, (laughs) it had a fine life before that. It was in like 40 books. But basically, yeah, it's Max all over again. Nobody remembers Bears. Bears is completely forgotten. But Hmm. he did have a second coming. Interesting. In a way. Yeah, fun fact of the day. All All right. Writing's time. Yeah, you're going to go first on this one. So the fact of the matter is, you know, how much of it is we're told that this book is important and how much of it is I actually do think this book is important. As a child, I encountered it only, I think, in nursery school. And even then it was on the periphery of things, but I was always vaguely aware of it. It wasn't until adulthood that I actually read it. But then in adulthood, I could read it to my kids and sort of see what it was doing and how it was working. And the fact of the matter is, I do think it's a very good book. I do. 
I think it has an emotional resonance that is very difficult to do. I love the succinctness of the words. I love the art. Um, there's no moral. It's not a moral book. That's not what it intended to do. It's a book about childhood and dealing with the scary things in your life and taming them. Um, so, as crazy as it sounds, I'm giving it a nine. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. I'm giving it a nine. I haven't done that in a while. Yeah. Yeah. But then we haven't done many big books in a while, so. Well, I don't know if you can tell, but my rating will not be that high. Are you sure? Maybe and I should repeat everything I just said, you know, but in uh, a funny voice. No, I, I heard you. <laughs> Did you? I just don't see it. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't see it. I mean, I, I, granted, I have never read this to a kid. Right. I never read this as a kid. Right. I don't identify with the kid. Growing up, yeah. I just, I don't know, I, I do think that it's beautifully drawn. Mm. But I hate brats. I know you do. And I don't I know think you we do. should, like, you know, give, uh, I, ugh. You just don't uh, like it when they star in their own books. No. Yeah. At least his name's not in the title. It's not called Max in the Wild Thank Things. Thank goodness. Yeah. The, the Adventures of Max. Yeah. You know, and try and make him sound fun when he's... Wolf suit dude, Max. Yeah. Yeah, which, really, it's a cat. Let's, let's be clear. Okay. It's, a, it's a cat suit. Uh, <laughs> you know, it could well be. His mom could have bought him a cat suit and been like, no, nah, it's totally a wolf suit. Or maybe, maybe she... who sells a wolf well, suit? Well, maybe she made it, and it was supposed to be, like, oh, a cat, yeah, that's totally a cat true. pattern, but yeah. she was like, they don't have any cat patterns, so we're going to make it... But she got like created with a tail so that it would look like a wolf tail. Right. Yeah, which I gotta give her props for. I don't know, only because I dig the illustrations. I'm like a four. Alright. So it's my definitely a classic. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a classic. I pulled you up. This would not Pulling. be number one on any children's book of mine. Well, like, that is list. I think that, that is fair to say. Definitely not good, number one. Good to know on that. <laughs> Letters time. Ooh. Ooh. Now, we wanted specifics on the whole tea thing. And the tiger came to tea. I'm confused on the concept of what tea is. Right. And I was like, isn't it like a meal? Uh -huh. Like it's instead of lunch or something? All right. So mom writes and says, okay, this is an attempt to sparkle over the ways I failed you in your upbringing. Specifically, <laughs> tea and British. Okay, this is her definition, people. Tea is at four o'clock and is a snack to get you through to dinner. Preferably part of its advantage is that it does spoil your appetite a little. Tea and biscuits or bread and butter or cucumber sandwiches or buns cost less than beef. Also, in posh houses, think Downton Abbey or any of those country houses Bertie Wooster frequents, dinner isn't until 8. High tea is more of a meal substitute and that includes meat in some form, fish paste or something sustaining. So that's what tea is. Got it. Yes. All right. I'm, <laughs> I'm not as clear as I might be, but if I gum, I could re-listen to this podcast and figure it out for myself. <laughs> there is a rewind button. <laughs> there is one. Grown-up things we like. So mine is, so we were talking about hot versus warm. That's right. Mine is hot with two T's. Oh, oh. It is so hot. How hot is it? It is. Let is me it, tell you. Is it, is it too darn hot? Uh, yeah, actually it oh, is. Right. So all you need is corn mm -hmm. and a microwave. Mm -hmm. So if you are ever tired of, because we're in the summertime, right? We are in the summertime. And corn is everywhere. If you don't like shucking corn and getting all the stupid little hairs off. I love shucking corn. I have a trick for oh. you. Oh. You take that entire husk of corn, you stick it in the microwave, and you put it in there for four minutes. 
after the four minutes, you it's going to be crazy hot. So take like an oven mitt, yeah. take it out of the microwave, mm -hmm. cut off with a very sharp knife one end, and then like the, the fat end, not the pointy end. Okay, okay. You cut that off, and then you squeeze, and it will come out like toothpaste out of a tube with all the hair off of it, what? without everything off of it, Boom, done. The more you know. There you go. Da, 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 <laughs> I just figured I'd save people some time and frustration. That's nice. That's so, nice of you. Yeah, there you go. Aw, that's great. Mine is that I had uh, dinner with Henry Winkler. Like you do. Like you do, the Fonz. No big deal. That guy. Hey! hey. <laughs> so as many uh, listeners probably know, uh, he is responsible for the Hank Zipser series, uh, which is about a kid who has a reading disability. He himself is... Hugely dyslexic. Oh. Has been his entire life. His uh, children are. His grandchildren are. Uh, so he has sort of made it his life's mission to show, hey guys, you know, he has a font that is in the books that uh, is easier for dyslexic people to read. Um, yeah. And he's, it's just his life's work, his life's passion. He, he writes them with Lynn Oliver, who, of course, is from the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. And uh, he was, they had a new book out. It wasn't about Hank uh, at all. It was uh, about an alien uh, who goes to live in Hollywood and no one notices it's an alien because it's freaking Hollywood. Right. Yeah. I can attest to that. Exactly. Yeah. But he, you know, had a little, he's, he's making the rounds around the country and he had a bunch of librarians and booksellers and local TV and news folks there. And he's a delight. Lovely. A sheer delight. So that's the grown-up thing I like. It's a grown-up. <laughs> Yeah. You like a grown-up. I like a grown-up. And I like corn. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, we can see corn exactly and um, how, corn cool, and corn. how cool your life is and how sad mine is. I think that's completely untrue. I mean, <laughs> if we racked up the actual celebrity celebrities we've met, I think you would uh, actually beat me. I don't one. know. We might tie. We might tie. We yeah. might tie. All right. Well, let's... That's a lovely note to end on right there. Your quality. Your your uh, grown up thing is definitely hot to ta, -ta, ta. I would say with oh, three T's. Oh, that it beats my two T corn. I I contest that, but it's true. Yep. That is kind of cool. Alright. Alright. And on that note, I've been Betsy. I'm Kate. Bye. Ta -ta -ta -ta. Fusing Kate is a Fuse Number 8 production. You can reach us at fusekate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse number 8Kate. Follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kime, and our Earl of Sandwich is Drew Atienza. Fuse8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Ramsey and Betsy Bird.